It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Glad you're spending some time with us. Promise we'll make it worthwhile. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and we are delighted to have with us for this edition a great journalist, TechCrunch senior transportation reporter and editor, Kirsten Korosek. She's a podcaster, too, with Autonicast. Thanks for joining in, Kirsten. Thanks for having me. Really wonderful to have you, Kirsten. Yeah, you, you do a fantastic job out there reporting on all this, and, and thank you for joining with us. We're, we're blessed here. And we're going to start out, Kirsten, with a, with a couple of headlines from some stories that you've worked on over the last week or so. Uh, Tesla's Cybertruck is facing some competition, especially with Rivian's latest announcement. Right. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I'm very excited, actually, to see and test drive the Rivian because I feel like I've been waiting for it for a long time. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting design cues in the vehicle, but also they're they're really pushing um, the advanced driver assistance systems in their vehicle really kind of, I hate to use the term level two plus, um, but it, it's, it's really designed to be a more robust um, system than pretty much any other vehicle on the market. I would put it in the same category of Tesla and GM Super Cruise, but unlike Tesla, it has a driver monitoring system and it will um it has more cameras and 360 degree radar which tesla vehicles don't have so i'm really interested to see that piece of course because i'm so focused on automated vehicle technology but on the electrification side really curious to see what buyers go for are they going to go for a more modern take on the pickup truck but still palpable to the consumer or are they going to go for the dystopian vision of the cyber truck we'll see well he's changing that design too right so we don't exactly know what the the form factor is going to be here right right yeah well i i think what what i'm taking from it and again this is from a distance uh, you're much closer to it than i am is i i think this is the the real value of the as you called it, level two plus. I hate the SAE levels, blah blah blah. But but I think I I, I think that that this is really driver assistance for the professional driver who so desperately needs some help. I mean, somebody that's out there driving and and driving a truck, and, and I'm assuming that it's all this is going to go into the Rivian you know, vans that deliver, blah, blah, blah. It's really to support the professional driver and, and, and make that his or her them much safer, uh, make their job somewhat, you know, more um, um, acceptable. I mean, it's tough driving out there all day long and trying to feed your family whilst you know, keeping the vehicle between two white lines and so on. And I think that's that's the fundamental value here. And and I think that, that that's really what they're driving to do, or at least that's what I also get from your comments on it. But how, how do you yeah. take that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, you make an interesting point about Amazon. So 
you know, the they've been working on the pickup truck and the RS R1S, which is right. an SUV, for, and, and all of those are going to be coming to market. Um, delivery starting in midsummer next year. At the same time, of course, also um, designing and building these uh, vans for Amazon. We've we've seen some looks at them now, mm-hmm. but the driver assistance piece is going to be really interesting and important, I think, for Amazon. Now, I don't know definitively if that tech will be in the Amazon vehicles, but my assumption is that it will. And things like adaptive cruise is important, but fleet monitoring, so uh, having a DMS system in the vehicle is going to be really critically important. And we know it's critically important because also in the news today or this week was uh, Ford's uh, revealing of the e-transit van. And that is absolutely, they are pushing the digital services and the fleet monitoring and management system as much as they are the electrification. So we know that's important for and really kind of like the value proposition, if you will, for these companies to push and hopefully get customers on the commercial side um, is that fleet management and ADAS um, piece. Right. And, and, it, and, and with that, you know, if you're dealing with fleets, fleets, fleets have all these employees out there. I mean, whether or not they're gig or not gig, they're really employees that they really do care about and they really do want them to to be able to feed their families and not die out there on the roadways while they're trying to do it and to and to have a a, a workplace that is a little bit easier to deal with than you know sitting there driving all damn day long that the i mean i i i mean i just I see that as as the real value proposition, and then again, you're managing this fleet in real time. You're trying to to basically do delivery services in real time. So so that communications piece, that that assistance piece, to make sure they don't need to be on here, but in fact, some of that information is going directly into into the whole operational structure of of the use of those vehicles. I mean, I think it's brilliant by both both Ford, as you point out, and for Rivian to do that. I think it's I think it's very important. A couple of couple of things I wanted you to comment on, too, Kirsten, uh, the differences between what Rivian calls hands free driver assistance Mm -hmm. and Tesla calling fully driverless. Tell, tell us what the differences are. What what do we know? Also wanted to ask you about the range on, on the on the Ford vehicle is what, a hundred some miles? Is that a drawback? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll jump on the Rivian stuff first. So what Rivian is putting out there, um, and again, this is a vehicle that doesn't exist in the marketplace yet. So we'll see how it is functioning once I get my hands on, on it. But we're talking about 360 radar, 360 uh, cameras, 12 ultrasonic, uh, uh, sensors, a hands-free driving um, system. So on uh, in the beginning on specific highways, so it's going to be geofenced in a way. The operational design domain is not going to be like Tesla wherever. Um, so- <laughs> Which Tesla it is? It, it, why it said forever? It is not forever. I mean, specifying the operational design domain is critically important in any of these discussions. So, so this is going to be, you know, implemented in the beginning on highways. And this is very similar to what GM did with Super Cruise. The difference is, is that um, Rivian is making this standard on all of its vehicles. And so it's not going to be some upgrade. And unlike GM, 
which, you know, rolled it out into one vehicle initially, you know, this is going to be on their first two vehicles and the presumption is on all of theirs. Um, they don't have LIDAR in the vehicles and it's unclear if they would add that, but my understanding is that, that the intent is to eventually through over the air software updates, go to what SAE designates as level three. Now I have, you know, potential there's some concerns there let's see what happens you know they don't even have a car on the road yet the difference between what tesla has and what rivian is going to have which is called driver plus is um besides the hardware differences tesla has autopilot which is which is now standard in its vehicles and that's the adaptive cruise and some of the basic um adas still pretty high functioning and pretty easy to use um, the what they call full self-driving, which is that upgrade of what is it now? Um, it's more than eight thousand dollars. I think it's ten. <laughs> yeah, $10 hey, maybe who knows? I mean, they the price moves around. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Who knows so, what the hell they ever charge you? I don't know. Who, yeah. yeah. So ten thousand yeah. dollars now, and that is that is um, meant to. It, it doesn't have lighter. It doesn't have three sixty radar, um, and it's the same. It's essentially the same very close to the same hardware system. But what they're offering there for that upgrade is um, what they dub as self-driving, which is not on city streets. So it's recognizing stop signs and traffic lights, the system is uh, claims to. And to be able to, when you click on navigate on autopilot, basically navigate you from point A to point B. Now, driver has to be in the loop at all times. It's a little bit like driving with a teenager. Um, it makes mistakes. It's right now the beta mode is not exactly high functioning. Um, and and the big criticism, of course, is that that there is no um, cabin facing camera or driver monitoring system that even ensures that the driver is paying attention. And we've seen plenty of videos of the abuse of that system. So, you know, those are the big differentiators. Uh, in, in my mind, I mean, I don't know. Have you have you tried? Well, uh, Musk has touted the computers and and the, and the you know and the coding that'll go into them, what exists now and what will go in. So is that a is that a big differentiator? Well, we know that the Rivian has two compute platforms, redundant compute platforms. Um, there isn't a lot more that we know. I mean, Tesla very much touts its like internally made chip. Um, this is something they've been working on for a really long time and it's not on it's not a departure for tesla because they've become more and more vertically integrated as they've gone on i mean that's not surprising but there are others out there that have been building chips as well so you know i i don't i can't answer that like because i haven't i i don't have a deep knowledge of the tech that's that Rivian the differences between on. the two right? yeah, I, I mean, mean that that'd be a proprietary probably conversation that unfortunately no one has ever shared with me but um it, within the industry i know that there's some skepticism that, that that the chip that tesla has can actually handle the the types of functions um that are necessary to be able to do what is what what, what would really be considered full self-driving not to mention the fact that, that the suite of sensors they have doesn't seem to be able to even, it's there. It's not complete um, in a way that you would need, I think, to to really push push the driver assistance to more of a autonomous driving sort of capability. 
my my sort of view on the, on these things again taking somewhat of an ac academic view because what the hell i guess i'm an academic I, <laughs> that's the best are, thing i can i guess, guess i'm an uh, yeah i'm an academic that you know okay. i'm by, I'm by, I'm, I'm by definition an academic but uh but my my key my key on these things is that as soon as the provider of the code and the hardware and so on is willing to accept all the liability associated with anything that goes bad with it while it's being used then that thing can drive before that if we're going to if I'm going to be responsible for it I've got to be in the loop and if I'm in the loop that's not I don't you know that's not even I call self drive that's not <laughs> That's not automated driving. If no, I have to no, sit there and watch it, okay? Right. And and if 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 Elon isn't willing to say, hey, what I have out there, if anything goes bad, it's on me. Bring it to me. No deductible. I take care of it. Don't worry. As soon as he's willing to say that, then I think we can talk about whether or not this thing will really do the things that it's supposed to do. Because that's a great way to, to boil it down. I mean, to me, that's that boils it down. Oh, because, yeah. because, you know, in some sense, that, that's what Waymo, I think, has done, at least within the operational design domain that they've specified and wherever they're operating. They're out there, they're saying, hey, it's on us. We can't point. We can't point to the dog ate my homework, or we checked off this box, this box, this box, as some who knows what overviewer, and said, "Hey, you know, we did that. You know, you, it's your problem now." Right. I mean, they're out there. I think that that's what they're saying, and to me, that's the fundamental difference. Uh, you know, this SAE blah 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 blah, and this level three. I mean, level three doesn't happen until I can you know, literally sit there on my phone. And if anything bad happens, then it's their responsibility. But if it's going to be mine, then I'm going to be sitting there watching over that teenager. Damn it. You know, you know, ready to grab the wheel. Talk to me here. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think there are maybe a couple of automakers that have said in the past that they would take liability. Volvo springs to mind. Yeah. Um, you can fact check me on that one. Yes, I think I think you're right. They're gonna. They're gonna. They didn't. They right. haven't. Uh, you right. know, it's all right. a gonna, they, not a haven't. To, they've committed yeah. to doing that. Tesla yeah. has not. And and you're right. Uh, actually, my co-host at the Atonicast, uh, Alex Roy, whom I believe you know. Yeah. <laughs> we love <laughs> Alex. We, uh, who doesn't love Alex, right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. He is a character. But yeah. he has said, you know, that's yeah. been his, you're yeah. in you two are in agreement on this, is that he has often said until the driver can be out of, completely out of the loop and also the automaker or the manufacturer or the operator. Or whomever, responsibility, yeah. Until then, until those two things happen, is just not self-driving. And, and I think that Tesla's big, you know, they wanted to be a bit audacious. They love playing with words and, you know, double entendres and, you know, putting pop culture references within their vehicles, like, you know, you can turn the volume up to 11 and all that, which is a reference to Spaceballs. Um, they pushed it, though, with autopilot and FSD. And, um, you know, we've already seen how Europe has responded to that, right? So yeah. 
I think what's it'll be a little it's a little horrifying but also kind of fascinating as a journalist to see what's going to happen with um, over the next year as more as that beta capabilities increase and also as more and more people um, have their hands on the, the Tesla full self-driving. The important thing um, to remember before I answer your question from a while ago about the Ford <laughs> is that you know there is a financial stake here for Tesla. They cannot recognize all the revenue that they get from that those $10,000 upgrades until it is actually, they can fully say that it is uh, capable. So what happens is, is as they release capabilities, they can release some of that revenue or recognize it on their balance sheet. And so there is a motivation to, you know, and, and that's where I think sometimes it can be dangerous is that there's a motivation potentially, you know, they've never said this, but to release it maybe then it's earlier than it, than it's, um, should be released. Um, so that's something to always keep in mind. Uh, there's always that, that other piece out there. There is a financial motivation to release some of this maybe before it's ready. And on that Ford range. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Ford, Ford e-transit. Um, so they, I looked at the spec sheets yesterday and, and I, and I talked to the folks at Ford a bit about this and the highest range right now, they say more is coming is 126 miles for their low roof, sort of just their most popular version of their cargo van um, that's electrified. And then it goes all the way down to 108 miles on this like extended cab. So that sounds like a very low number. Um, and it is. Their contention is that they looked at, you know, they've got like 40% market share, they claim in North America for um, uh, commercial uh, combustion engine cargo vans. They said that they looked at all of the Telmax data and and also talked to some of their global customers and that the average mileage a day for drivers was 74 miles. Um, so you could, could you could argue that 126 is plenty and their their whole basis of that is that their their customers are more price sensitive than than range sensitive. Um, the, the big thing, of course, is that then you're charging that uh, commercial van every single night. So your battery better be, you know, in tip top shape in terms of being able to charge or go through the cycle more frequently. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you, I'm curious. I, I think, think um, you know, enough? I, I, I tend to agree with them, okay, because at least in one in my previous life, I also had a company, we did a lot of work in truck logistics, looked at a lot of data from trucking companies at both local delivery as well as long hauls in terms of uh, trip length distributions. It, it's not really the average that, that matters all that much because the distribution is not, you know, it's not some sort of normal distribution. It has you know it has big shape to it but but if if you're if you put the information system on top of it and you're managing the fleet then you actually know how much you're going to need when you when you load up the vehicle with whatever jobs that the vehicle have ha, happens to have to do so within that management environment if you if you happen to have a distribution of 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 vehicles, then you, you you have you have plenty of work that you need to do that is that is that is doable within that range environment. 
another and and substantially more than 50% large bulk and relatively few that you need a long haul so therefore in terms of then uh, managing your operation for which there are lots of folks they don't want I'll give I'll, I'll give them the software to do it whatever you know you 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 have you have management software on top of that that can sit there and and basically know that in fact you can operate within those those range limits and bring the vehicles back in and charge them and do you know not burdensome management but active management on top of it such that you know you can run your business very very well without having to carry around a big battery out there that is you know so when you do the rois on these darn things you see my goodness this is a good sweet spot now for a consumer it's not because holy hell we have to go visit a grandmother who lives you know well, only 28 of, miles but we think right. that she's 400 and whatever miles and we've got to have the I mean, my goodness, and never mind. You know, well, you know, a, lot, you, a lot of people, Alan, would want to convert these uh, vehicles and and have with the with the uh, gasoline versions into RVs, uh, but they're not going to do it with a hundred some mile range. Let's put it. Yeah, well, way. sure, You're but but I don't think that. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, we're talking yep. about vans and <laughs> exactly. and and, uh, and probably, you know, I would suspect that Ford with the vans is much more interested in the fleet and the commercial business right. on this thing. And in fact, if if that's really what if you if you want to do it for the consumers and yeah, you pile it up and then you, you know, so you sweet talk them to spend a whole lot of money and and go into enormous debt and blah, 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 which maybe you can't do with with a with a fleet purchaser or a buyer that actually knows what the hell. Never mind. We won't go down those roads well, we have, but, we have a couple of other <laughs> a couple well, of other yeah. delivery delivery vehicle headlines uh, that we want to touch on real quick one being uh, gm cruise partnering with walmart uh, testing out uh, autonomous grocery delivery in arizona of course yep. <laughs> and there there will be human safety drivers and the other is the neuro story uh the valuation we should talk about first yeah well you you go go touch touch on them both for us yeah yeah you know let's do do cruise um because that's an interesting company to me uh so cruise is always i I had to go back when when they made this announcement because i've been writing about avs for a while for a long time now and they've actually had like a small fleet in scottsdale testing for for years um they've never removed those vehicles it just doesn't get a lot of attention because the company has been so public and forceful really about how their intention is to deploy robotaxis in san francisco the end uh but they've absolutely maintained a little test fleet in in scottsdale so the deal with walmart is uh basically a you know human driver behind the wheel as you mentioned in scottsdale so that's a suburb of phoenix pretty large and it's going to be doing customer deliveries. And Walmart has, I think, partnered literally with like every AV company out there now, which makes sense. And Walmart reminds me of a legacy automaker. A lot of people don't realize this, but when partnerships are announced, partnerships, that word has varying meaning depending. You just don't know what the terms are necessarily. It could be a memorandum of understanding, agreeing to work together. It could be a very limited pilot. It could be a proof of concept. We don't necessarily know every single time a company says partnership what that means and automakers do this and walmart's starting to do this so they've partnered with let's see at least three or four other companies um 
to see what the world would be like with autonomous delivery. And I think they're figuring out the logistics and delivery piece because it's becoming increasingly important, especially with COVID-19 and, and consumer habits changing. For uh, for Cruise, the interesting thing is, is that all of a sudden it's like, oh, are they getting into delivery? Um, I think that they're always going to keep that door open. And that doesn't mean that they're going to pivot, but they've been kind of delivering as you know, a way to test a little bit. And that's gotten some criticism in San Francisco with the food banks during COVID. They've made something like 125,000 deliveries. Um, so I think both companies are just, are in that research and learning mode. It's not anything to, I would be a little surprised if it became this like massive commercial partnership. Um, you know, I think it will be something that lasts for a year and maybe it will build into something else, but you know, it wouldn't shock me for it to end either. I mean, th these types of partnerships happen all the time. I guess you know the way I look at it is that of course these companies are interested in this. I mean, it is a whole heck of a lot easier to to provide mobility to a bunch of packages out of. Uh, out of uh, a Walmart than it is to to move me around. I'm I'm nothing but a pain in the butt, and and of course, and and if anything should go wrong, so we get one one hand a little spilled milk, and another hand uh, who knows what lawsuit, right. and 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 so you know of course, and 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 if one then looks at at Amazon, who you know goes out there and get zooks on a nickel and 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 is out there with rivian and they've got to be doing this and and if all of a sudden you know amazon can deliver from from their 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 uh, their uh, delivery place uh they're uh, in outside here near the new jersey turnpike to my house between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. with a driverless vehicle that basically costs them nothing. I mean, they get the zero. I mean, the whole thing of Amazon is it, they charge me zero to deliver something here. If on their balance sheet, it comes out to almost be zero, that's a whole chunk of money that's up here, drops to the bottom line. And of course, Amazon or Walmart's out there looking at Amazon saying, my goodness, we've got to do this. If we want to beat Amazon, this is how we beat them. Or at well, least one Walmart of the, what do you think about that? Huh? Yeah, I mean, Walmart has the, the money to, to play around and experience yeah. with different things. And, you know, one of their more interesting partnerships, I think actually that when you really look at it, it makes the most sense is um, the one that they have with Gaddick, which is just a, a small startup uh, that came out of Stealth probably about two years ago, I want to say. And they have these uh, autonomous refrigerator trucks, right? These box trucks. What they're doing is they're not delivering to the customer. They're delivering from the big distribution center to the neighborhood Walmart store. Um, instead of having the big semi trucks that were doing that, now you've got these box trucks and they can do more frequent trips. So they're doing this in, um, in and around, you know, where Walmart's headquartered and, um, you know, I, I haven't checked up on them lately, but that's an interesting concept because you are really removing the consumer from it. You're not even having to deal with the misdelivery piece. It's literally just, let's stop using semi-trucks that are driven by people and instead do the um, automated trucks between the distribution center and 
you know, three or four Walmarts within a 20 mile area or whatever. And Walmart has, of course, the, the number of retail bricks and mortar stores to be able to pull that off. So I think that's pretty interesting. Um, I, and it's, I all, it's all related to Kirsten to, to Neuro's valuation story, which we we're going to mention too. Oh, um, how, how so? Uh, well, I mean, the, the value of a company coming in at, what are they, what are they saying? It hit a $5 billion valuation and their business is going to be, I suppose, these autonomous deliveries. Pretty oh, much, right? right. So, right. So, you know, delivery is so hot right now. You know, we like to joke about that because of COVID. Um, but I think that it's important to think about delivery, not as just one giant um, subject matter, right? There's the little bots that are on the sidewalk. There are the um, what what Walmart and Amazon are kind of playing around with. And then Neuro is kind of in the middle. And Neuro is a very interesting company. They did just raise, I think it was 500 million, um, which I believe that puts their post money valuation at 5 billion. And they're interesting because their whole vehicle could never fit a human being in it. It's designed just for delivery, but it's not a sidewalk bot. And it's so sidewalk bots are kind of interesting and a little bit problematic because of issues that can come up with the sidewalk itself or obstructing pedestrians and you know, even people with disabilities um, getting, there's lots of videos out there of like a sidewalk bot, like getting in the way with someone using a wheelchair. Neuro is on the road um, and they've got some really interesting tech. And I personally think that the most interesting thing about Neuro is the fact that they licensed their technology to Ike. Ike kind of really in a way was born out of Neuro. And so to me, they in a way have two businesses um potentially they've got the delivery business but i'm curious to see if they license their tech to anyone else in the future i don't you know maybe they will well we'll continue in just a moment but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor the smart etfs smart transportation and technology etf the symbol is moto you can get more info at motoetf.com on the site, check out the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under a tab called Insights and News. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions. You may know ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. Uh, Fred, let, let me jump in. Kirsten started a line of, of, of discussion having to do with uh, operating versus licensing. Um, how do you see that evolving here? I Just where I've been in the past on this thing, I've looked at if you can get this to work, this is a goose that's laying a golden egg. And you'll go out there and the only way you're going to sell this goose is if somebody doesn't pay you for the goose, it pays you for the golden eggs that it's laying. And so therefore, you're probably going to go out there and operate rather than license. Okay, because any licensee has to basically pay you for what they're going to make in a sense. So, you know, and it, this certainly has a lot to do with Uber and Lyft, who I've, I'm out there sort of saying they, they can't scale without this. I mean, there just aren't enough drivers out there. You can, you can do 1% of the trips out there. You can be a, you know, a, a 
little blip, but you can't go out there and provide mobility to large sectors of the population and, and change the world. I mean, I guess, whatever. And so therefore, and, and why would Waymo sell it to them? I can just go out there and operate the damn thing. What the hell operating is, it's trivial compared to make, where do you stand on that sort of spectrum? Well. I, it's changed over, it's changed as I've talked to more people about it. Um, operations on the one hand might be trivial, but it's, you're dealing with a lot of people and it is, can be expensive. Um, and in, it can be drudgery in a, in a different kind of way. Uh, you know, I've been told by, and, and I mentioned this to you offline, but I'll say it here. You know, I've been told by folks within the AV industry, once you go driverless, it takes you know, two to three people to make that happen as opposed to having, keeping that human safety operator behind the, um, the wheel. The, the idea being that it takes more people to operate driverless, fully driverless, um, as opposed to, you know, keeping that safety operator. And so that means cost, right? So there is an opportunity when you license um, tech. To me, the opportunity is more in the software as a services uh, segment. So it's not just a one and done, here's the goose, as your analogy suggested, but more here's the goose, but also you're going to have to pay me a user fee or a, sort of a software as a services type of fee to maintain the goose or feed the goose. And that is where I think there might be some opportunity for some AV companies. I'm really curious to see if like if Waymo is going to keep operating on its own. I mean, there was a comment that John Krapchik made in an interview about it, oh man, six months ago. And it got me thinking that maybe Waymo wasn't going to be operating everything, but but maybe I was reading into it. So companies like Neuro and on the delivery side and Waymo on the, on the delivery side too, but also on the uh, shuttling people side, I think that they're right now still vetting and validating and verifying the tech but when a year from now, will we start seeing partnerships with third-party operators? I'm, I don't know. I mean, I would be guessing, but I do think that there is a, a path to revenue by doing that. Um, but that's if it's a software as a services style business. You had a couple of headlines this week too uh, on Uber and Lyft as well. Well, it was the earnings week, right? Yeah, so, yeah earnings week. <laughs> uh, I think the big what news, earnings? I mean, the, the, the Uber story is interesting. Um, they have, you know, they are focused 100% on their core competency right now, which is ride hailing. They've, you know, spun off um, the Uber freight business. Uh, they offloaded Jump, which is their micromobility business. And they've completely doubled down on their delivery business, which is Uber Eats. And it's sort of a conflicting story. On the one hand, delivery has expanded exponentially, but it is not making money. It's losing money. And then ride hailing has um, constrained since you know a year ago, year over year, but it's not losing money. So, um, I'm very curious to see what Uber does in in the in the months ahead. For Lyft and Uber, the big news is that you know they got 
Prop 2 passed in California, which essentially was an existential risk to their company. Um, they get to continue to classify gig economy workers as independent contractors. They don't have to completely redo everything. There are some agreements they make within that, which is um, some guaranteed wages and things like that. But, um, you know, Uber's CEO, um, Dara Kashwahari, um, Kashwahari, Kashwahashi, I always mess up his last name, I'm sorry. Um, he has said that he is planning to advocate loudly for Prop 2 type laws all over the world. So I think we can expect more aggressive lobbying action and really to lock up that business model. Like it is always hung over Uber and Lyft's head to keep those uh, workers classified as, as independent contractors. So I think that's like, the most interesting thing that happened this this past month. We'll see what else Uber does in the in the weeks and months ahead. You know, it'll be it'll be curious. What did you? What was your stance on um, Prop Two? Did you have a? Well, my my, my I, you know that's a, that's a very difficult issue because because I guess you know I I think workers deserve to make a living wage and deserve to be able to feed their families and to to build a business on the back of people that aren't feeding their families is is um is not the best thing in the world one that's on the one side on the other side is is that there there are a lot of people who just you know the gig economy allows them to do the one thing that they know how to do which is which is drive they don't know how to market they don't know how to how to whatever and do all the other things that you need to you know to to run a business and they you know they should be given an opportunity i i tell my students that you know the 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 big the 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 gig the biggest gig economy is is associated with the um, apple's app store uh, you know, what has the app store done? It's allowed someone who can just code to stay in their parents' basement and code, <laughs> even though they, you know, they can't market, they can't sell, they can't promote, they can't, uh, you know, but they can code. And here, all you have to do, and they, and, and Apple does, gives them 30%. Okay. Now, whether or not any of that generates any revenues, I'm saying, yeah, no, no detail, but, but you know, those are to me the the ultimate gig workers, uh, and they, they were maybe the first, not necessarily the first, and they can have their own time. They can do in the middle of the night, da 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 da, da play video games the rest of the time, you know, which which if you're going to be an employee. There's a responsibility that comes from for that. If you want to be able to get health care, if you want to be able to get vacation, if you want to be able to get sick leave, you've got to show up when the company wants you to show up right. as opposed to doing it. You know, so, you know, making, making your own hours and, is a big piece. Of and it, right? darn it, you pay for that. You Princeton University doesn't give me health care. I pay for the damn thing. OK. For the freedom that I have at being a professor that I can basically be totally irresponsible, I pay for that. <laughs> I pay for that and I pay heavily for that. So to think that just because, you know, you became an employee, you're not paying, of course you're paying for it. Okay. So, so you're, 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 and they're charging you. So in a sense, this has been the burden of them. Their burden is that the cost the labor cost of providing mobility to an individual is non-trivial. 
it has been non-trivial since 1886 when when Daimler first created the th darn thing. It's been, you know, otherwise, hey, the taxi company, the limousine companies would be providing all, we would have never bought cars. We would have been chauffeured around, okay? We would have never gotten to the place where we are. That's expensive, mm -hmm. okay? And Uber and Lyft are gonna face that expense. They're, they're <laughs> The, yes, they have it a little niche margin. They do. Uber and Lyft have to do more than just generate a profit. They have to generate a big profit. What because in fact, their capitalization to be able to be supported by profit, if in fact it's going to be supported by profit, it can't just be, oh yeah, we made a nickel. <laughs> yeah, I well, don't know. <laughs> Talk to me. I have a question for you yeah, though. Sure. What, what do you think, what do you think um, Uber is going to do with its um, self-driving unit, Uber ATG, do you think that that has any promise or that they're going to- It is their only chance to become a company. My even view. Though it's very, even though they're you know pouring tons of money into it and it's super- They low. have to. If, if you look, take whatever projection you want for, you know, revenue, profitability for Uber or Lyft, you cannot achieve that if you have to pay for a driver. And whether or not you leave it on the backs of, you know, of, um, somebody, you know, somebody providing for themselves as a gig worker or whether you pay them as an employee, to get enough people out there who are feeding their families to move the people that you have to move to make the amount of money you need to make to be whatever their stock valuation happens to be, which is enormously below what it was originally expected to be even then, it's not achievable, my view, not even close. The only way you can get there is to make it so that the labor cost associated with providing mobility goes to zero. So what you said in the beginning, yes, in the beginning, certainly it requires more people to do driverless. The opportunity, hopefully, the, the only opportunity is, is all this technology is going to let whatever few people you have now with very little market, that same number of people allows you to scale. Allows you go 10x, 100x what you're doing now a thousand X of what you're doing now. If there's not that opportunity, then, hey, let's provide the, let's provide the limo driver, drive at, you know, male or female, do, I don't know. Do you think that, uh, do you think though that for, for Uber specifically that they have, you know, it's an expensive proposition, right? So they've yeah. got, you know, ride hailing, they have the delivery piece. They need it for both. Have, the delivery piece makes money if you don't have to have a person there. If right, you can do it, yeah, maybe. The, there's yeah. still the technological development, and that that's obviously you know expensive. It's, it's a fixed cost, though. It's a one time. Mm -hmm. It's Moore's law. It's it gets cheaper and better as time goes on. Right, but can it last that long? Can, that, they can may not last. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true. Yeah, not, absolutely. Like, they may they, not be. Do they, do they have the money to actually see this through? I think they do. I think I think they do. I think they they collected enough money up front. They have a they really do have a good team, even though they had the Elaine Herzberg thing, you know, and right. they screwed up enormously and they deserve to be whacked. All they got whacked for it. 
but they do have good people there. They have done some, they, they know what they need to do with the amount of things that they've tried to do both in Pittsburgh and San Francisco, da, 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 where they try. And they, and they certainly know, they must know that their business is fundamentally dependent on them being able to achieve that themselves and not have to pay somebody else, not only for that goose, but it's golden eggs, because if they develop the goose, then then they have the goose. They get it for the goose, not the not the eggs. I don't know. That's the way. That's just the way I want. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know. Do you see Lyft in the same category, or do you? Think yeah, absolutely. They, both of them. Both of them. And yeah, if if it, the big question is whether they have the. And via two and, you know, all the others, you know, right, right. Yeah. You know, I via mean, can do, you know, a little, little diddy here, little there, but, you know, you know, it's not right. scale. The, the big question for Lyft and Uber, I think is going to be if they have the, um, well, first of all, the internal commitment at the executive level to see this through and are comfortable with the amount of money that they're going to have to put towards this um, to actually, you know, bring it to market because I don't, the impression I get is that Uber ATG isn't necessarily like particularly close to like suddenly deploying, you know, um, you know, a bunch of robo taxis, you know, they're still like every other company with the, maybe the exception of Waymo really are in the testing phase, right? So there has to be a commitment at the executive level and, or some sort of situation where you're able to, um, you know, partner with other companies and, you know, keep costs lower or share costs. I mean, they have the partnership with Toyota um, or the investment from Toyota, which is, which is interesting, but, but yeah, I'm curious to see. The investment from Toyota is interesting. And at some point one would think the, you know, the most profitable automaker, real automaker, if, unless we want to consider Tesla to be a real automaker, but we won't go there, but whatever, you know, is, is Toyota and Toyota certainly has been, you know, they were sort of big in this and they've certainly fallen. I mean, they, they Lane Herzberg, cause them to tuck their tail in the, between their legs and almost right. disappear. Uh, but, but they've got to be doing things internally. And, and at oh, some yeah. point they, they, they have to be coming out. They just don't need to tell us they get no benefit out of telling us what, you know, what benefit they're not out there trying to get SoftBank to give them a bunch of money. I guess not. I don't know, whatever. Well, SoftBank already gave them a bunch of money, so they don't. Need yeah. So, yeah. Maybe they don't need any more. Right. So, you know, I, you know, yeah. And, I mean, and Lyft, Lyft has partnerships. <laughs> too so yeah, yeah well oh, yeah. lift yeah lift has partnership and so on and yeah i mean they're out there and i guess they went back into las vegas didn't they and yes. started, you know operating again in las vegas so they're you know i don't know i just um, why didn't yellow cab do this in 1930 <laughs> if in fact you can do it with a person okay right. well, you know if you can we'll do the go back in time and ask the folks. <laughs> Kirsten, Kirsten, I know you've got to run, but yeah, yeah, no, before, no. before you go, do you have any thoughts on what the new administration might mean in terms of all of this technology, the new mobility? Uh, Biden is bringing in a lot of uh, Silicon Valley people, I suppose, into his yeah, uh, policy I'm, expert I'm panel. Yeah, he, he it'll be very I'm very, very interested to see how. Um, 
a few of his policies or what I think might be his policies, not the specifics, but he has an interesting personal background where he absolutely was impacted um, by, you know, a car crash taking. Absolutely. On the other hand, he, and he's a huge Amtrak user, you know, that's well documented. He, he is, seems to be more interested in pursuing climate change policy and in and around that. At the same time, he has a extreme love for Corvettes. And so there's, I think that he might reflect how a lot of people feel, which is, you know, you want to see um, some efficient, you know, public transit, but you still like, you're not, you don't want to give up a car, right? So there's, I, I don't really know what, how this is going to play out because I've been looking for cues and sort of how the transition team and things like that. I think what a lot of AV companies are going to be paying attention to is, you know, who is tapped ultimately for, for that, those key positions, because right now, you know, with um, some of the AV guidelines out there that have been developed in the last couple of years, it is more friendly, has been more friendly to AV companies, which is kind of a little bit more of guidelines, hands-off approach. So is it going to be more uh, regulations or is that going to continue on that track of more, you know, voluntary um, guidelines sort of strat or philosophy? I, 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 that's the one, the one piece I don't know. Like I have no indication or of how Biden feels about that specific area on AVs. On the one hand, maybe he'll see the safety benefits and be a big champion of it. And, or on the other hand, you know, there's uh, historically been a lot of support for unions. And if there's concern about loss of jobs or something, I, I, I really don't know where he and his administration would fall on that piece. But we kind of know how he feels about public transit. Um, there's also the question, of course, of the, the rest of the, you know, Congress and its willingness to do anything about, um, you know, public transit or Amtrak, which has struggled for years. And, um, and, you know, the concept of high speed rail, you know, anyone who's traveled outside the United States knows what it could potentially be, but it's whether there's like a commitment, you know, within the administration or the public at all for, for something of that scale, because it's expensive. Do you have any predictions? Well, I, I, I have no, I, I'm in the same way. I'm, I'm certainly looking, I'm, I'm trying, not that I can look as well as you can look, but I certainly have been looking. To me, the, the missed opportunity with all this is to look at this as really the provision of mobility to people who need and can use the mobility. This is the new mass transit mode. This allows mass transit to serve more than 4% of the trips, which is what it serves now. It, it, could, it could allow it to serve 10% of the trips, 15% of the trips, provide mobility to the folks who could really have their lives improved as opposed to just being another way to get from A to B that at least some people are saying. And th that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's what has not been promoted uh, up to this point. And that's what bothers me about Waymo just being in, in Chandler. I want Waymo to come to Trenton and to come to the cities like Trenton where, where people really do need the mobility and there's nothing on the shelf right now that can provide them them, them that mobility affordably that this can. 
This can do it affordably. Why? Because it takes the labor charge out of it. And that doesn't mean that it unemploys anybody. In fact, you end up employing more people. So in, 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 the, in the delivery piece, you improve the, the quality of life of the people that work there. And in this thing, you just improve your market share. So great. Who do you unemploy? You unemploy me. You unemploy you. We're, we've been doing this mobility thing, chauffeuring our kids around, chauffeuring our friends around, chauffeuring ourselves around for free. We get this thing allows us to down. I mean, and that 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 aspect of it is not pronounced in Washington, not the way it should be. This is a great opportunity if we can get this darn thing to work. OK, well, that, it can't crash. Truck, it right? can't crash. It, it's got to be safety is, is a floor. It's a floor here. And and we've got to make sure that everybody's safe. And it's not what we should be competing on. That's what we should cooperate on and all those various things. I don't know. That's just... But anyway, we want your views, darn it, because you're the expert out here. I'm just a goofy academic, whatever. Yeah, you know? this is just the views of an academic. Well, no, but I mean, I think it, it resonates with a lot of people. So yeah. Yeah. I, I want to hear what you think, too. <laughs> and, and, and if it is looked at from that perspective by yeah. the by the Biden administration, you can certainly envision him getting behind it. We, we know think, he's behind I, the I expansion think, of EV. I, I, yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, no, and and this 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 allows EVs. This it makes it easier for EVs. It does all that thing. It takes the range issue and the hell out of the damn question with EVs and so on. I mean, and, and I th I think I think he will go this way. It was interesting to see the Obama administration actually move in this direction at the end. Okay, to, to, to begin to see it, and in the in the in the Trump administration, to its great, uh, you know, uh, we we should we should give it kudos for this. I mean, they they allowed it to continue. They didn't squash it. They didn't go out there. Hey, we know better, damn it. We're going to tell you what the hell to do. I mean, we don't know. The, we're still at the very beginning here. We're still at the very very beginning. Anyway, I don't know. Whatever. Um, We'll have to check back in. We we have to check back in, and I want you involved in my in 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 the summit. It's great having you out there. I mean, you 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 know, it's great having you out there. You know, doing all the reporting you're doing, and you do a great job with it. We really appreciate it. Yo, thanks well, for thanks. taking the time with us, Kirsten. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, Kirsten was great, to, Alan, to have with us. Oh, Let's absolutely. Fantastic. I mean, you know, she spends all day doing this, although I spend all day doing this, too. But she has better access. I said, you know, in here in the Princeton bubble, you don't get to see much on um, whatever. Well, from the, from the Smart Driving Car newsletter, Alan, our friend Ken Pyle sent along uh, a story on California beginning a new phase of its road charge demonstration project with support from a federal surface Transportation Funding Alternative Grant. California will test how road charge can work with four technologies, usage-based insurance, ride-sharing, electric vehicle, charging stations, pay-at-the-pump systems, and autonomous vehicles. And I think you point out in the newsletter, Alan, that New Jersey is looking at something similar. 
Yeah, well, everybody's looking and, and wondering about how, how we're going to pay for the infrastructure, whether it's driverless or us driving it. We need the roadway system. We, we, need, we need that surface. And we need, the, you know, the control systems on there and the bridges and all those kinds of things. And they have to get paid for some way. We've had this beautiful way of paying for it up to now, which is, you know, <laughs> we charge the, 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 the wholesale part of of gasoline uh, um, a certain amount and make them pay at the wholesale level and they then have to force it down to then the retail level to collect it back in the, in the form of gas tax and and if you look to me every time I look at it what a what a great way to 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 collect money is you only have to collect it from a few wholesalers that that, that then have to have to do the work to collect it from the infinite number of 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 uh, retail entities or consumers out there and to do it really based on proportionally on how much you use and if you happen to to, to have uh, you know a gas guzzler guess what you use more and you pay more now whether or not you really pay sufficiently more than you should and all that stuff you know but at but least then, you but pay then more. EVs come along. <laughs> but then EVs, <laughs> then EVs come along, and then you box your, you paint yourself into a corner, and you say, "I need to promote these things for all these very good reasons." You want to promote them, and one of the ways that you promote them is basically you don't charge them any use charges for using this this surface, and so. Well, you know, that's that's where the problem is. Now you got to say, well, I, I, I'm not even going to provide you the incentives anymore and I'm going to start charging you. You know, that's it's tough to get you out of that painted corner that you've put yourself into. OK, so you have to wait for the paint to dry, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so this is, you know, waiting for the paint to dry. But this this is tough. This is a real this is a real question, and how are you going to want to do it? And it should be proportional to the amount that you use, or maybe you know maybe the 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 end activities that get supported by this, the attractions that then allow people to get to those attractions. Maybe that that should be the thing that that you know. I keep going back to the elevator analogy. You know, uh, if I build a tall building, if I want to charge rent for the 14th floor, I've got to put in the mobility system. Uh, you, I may need to put a fare box on that mobility system, but I don't know. Or there may be to go to the observatory at the top of the World Trade Center. You need to put in a, a credit card. I don't know, whatever. But uh, but in most of them, you it's provided by the entity that is given accessibility so that they can do whatever they need to do with the space that, that the mobility is serving. A couple of other How do you stories. Do that? To, Who yeah, knows? Right. I mean, that's a whole, that, that's a whole lecture. I mean, whatever, never mind. Well, we, we got to talk about the elevator, yeah. so I'm happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reuters is reporting, Alan, that uh, Honda this week said it will be the first to mass produce level three autonomous cars. You had a pretty strong reaction in the new. Oh, well, I sort of did it with I, I, I mean, it, uh, that's I guess they're going the Elon route, and you know, 
uh, suggesting they have something they, they don't really have. Again, if you want to talk about level three, level three, the way it's written by the SAE, which of course I don't like, I don't even think a level three even exists, says that I can go in and while I'm going down in some operational design domain, I don't care what it is, Honda says and heavy traffic or something, I don't know, whatever they say, I can just be on my phone and I can play my games and I don't need to pay attention. It's gonna drive for me. Again, it's that question of liability. Are they willing hey, to be responsible, right? To me, hey, if if Honda comes out and says this, we know that it works, okay? As you think about turning it on, we're not going to let you turn it on unless it really works. And we're going to make sure we get you to throw your phone down and take over if we think it's not going to work so that nothing happens from the time that you want to do it to the time that you have to be back doing it. And it works. And we are so sure that that we're going to accept the responsibility if, I don't know, a meteorite hits you, I, whatever you know, whatever, whatever, whatever happens during that period. Then I can feel comfortable that, that, that Honda has sold me something that they, in fact, are standing behind and has given me for whatever it's telling me that, in fact, it's supposed to be able to do. They haven't done that. Elon hasn't done that. Looks and, to and me, as you looks to me, looks to me like Waymo has done it with Waymo one in the operational design domain that they have wherever they happen to have that operational design domain. And they know those vehicles. They know where the person is, where they're going. They know that it can operate and they don't, and they're out there and they're saying, but they're not, they're not selling it to you. They're letting you ride. Saying, right. Yeah. No, they're selling me the ride. I have to pay right. for it. Exactly. But of not course the they're selling it. Well, so, not so the that's vehicle, that's the though. difference. That's saying, the difference well, here. Well, I mean, you know, I don't care. Give me the ride. Right. Sell me the vehicle. Right. I mean, you know, I, you I don't think, want the vehicle. Well, I, I'm not going to want the vehicle if I can't drive it. Why should I want it? I, I, <laughs> I assume Waymo one's good enough and, and whatever to do it and more efficiently and whatever, and we'll maintain it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I, I can't maintain a thing. Right. Okay, <laughs> I can't even comb my hair. Oh, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, this should be near and dear to your heart. Yeah. Uh, Electric has reported uh, this week that Tesla is the number one most attractive company for engineering students. Uh, and they call that a, a massive advantage, of course, if that's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 I mean, these are these, they get to choose good people. How do you build a company? You got to have good people. I mean, this is this is fundamental. I mean, if you look at the car companies, I mean, you know, I don't want to name the, the the car company, but you know, there is a there is an auto manufacturer in the United States who recruited at Princeton who could basically almost never get anybody to go to work there. And you don't. I mean, it's kind of a shame. Some people, you know, I don't know, hey. 
Princeton student, you know, whatever. I mean, seriously, if you have access to good people and, you you know, you're going to hire this many, wow, 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 wow. How you define wow and so on makes a difference. I think, you know, ethics and so on and all that is really important, all that, not just being able to, you know, do proofs and theorems and write code and all the other good things. But if they're knocking on the door and you get to choose as opposed to, oh, man, I need a body, it's fundamental, I think. Right. Well, you've you've got the planning continuing. You've talked about it a little bit already here for the uh, Smart Driving Car Summit. Uh, it's going to be spread out over a period of of weeks, actually months. Yeah. Uh, towards the end. Yeah, of the year. and I think again, we'd like to like to hear from some of our audience out here as to whether or not they think it's a good idea. But the idea is is that uh, you know we're going to ask you to come Thursdays, uh, you know, for about an hour, hour and a half. It's going to but we hope in order to be able to get not only some amount of information brought out, but to get engagement as much as we can from the audience back. And so it's going to be worth watching live as opposed to, hey, I'm going to go on YouTube and just watch, you know, something. I think it's important, you know, what's important in, 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 in conferences and so on is the opportunity to to engage the opportunity to take it you know in in a couple of little bit other directions and this is what we're going to attempt to do so we're going to get started on december 10th i'm going to lay out uh, basically where i hope we can go there is a purpose behind all this i mean part of the purpose behind all this is to really discuss this opportunity to provide not only safety on the one hand in, in providing uh, help to folks who continue to drive so that in fact if they happen to go astray a little bit they don't end up having to crash you know on the one hand and on the other hand provide mobility to the folks who who really want would like to have affordable, high quality mobility offered to them and how we do that and end up providing some of that at the end. So that's really, that's, those are the two pieces. I think those are the two big markets here. Um, of course, providing mobility for packages is the same as providing mobility. You know, I'm pretty much right. of a package lug myself, you know, duh, throw me in the back is good <laughs> well important stuff and we're going to look forward to it people can go to smartdrivingcar.com for the latest info on on what's coming up we also want to mention the autonomous vehicle policy forum they've got a yeah. series of discussions coming up next week i think and right you've got, a, you've got a link in the newsletter to register for that right right and and salika talbot uh we just did a little session in my class with her and she's really good and she's putting on a a um, uh, um, a, um, a summit like thing for two days uh, next week. And we have a registration link for that. And invite people to take a look at that. And if people uh, want to find uh, Kirsten's work, she was really terrific to have as a guest. Oh, head, fantastic. Head, right. Head yeah. to techcrunch.com for that. 
We want to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol again for the ETF is MOTO, and you more find more information at MOTOETF.com. We are at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, a whole lot more on, on Amazon. Now you can find us, including Audible under podcasts. You can ask your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and please stay safe. Thank you for being here with us.